Joy seekers, joy givers, anyone looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor. I'm the hostess for the show. We've got another great one lined up for you. But first, let's give a great big thank you to our sponsors. When it comes to planning for your future, you want an advisor who understands your Christian values. Ameriprise Financial Advisors Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson offer financial planning based on biblical principles. They can help you plan for your goals in a way that is consistent with your faith. Call Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson today. Office is located downtown Bemidji at 122 3rd Street Northwest or at 1202 1st Street East in Park Rapids. Ameriprise Financial offers financial services without regard to religious affiliation or cultural background. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Arise Financial Group, a division of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Are you currently renting your home? Give Team Aylesworth, Noemi, Harry, and Abby of Real Living First Realty a call. Trust them to help guide you through the home buying process. With interest rates as low as they are, now is a good time to take that leap into being a homeowner. The award-winning customer service team is ready to make you their priority. Call Noemi at 218-760-4689 or click the link for Team Aylesworth on the Business Impact Partner page at yourqfm.com. Make owning a home your reality today. Thank you so much, sponsors, and thanks to all of you for choosing to listen. God has something for you. Be on the lookout. I know that there are just going to be so many nuggets of wisdom today. I want to welcome to the show Herb Bromenschenkel. Herb, welcome. Thank you, Deb. (laughs) We've been trying to get this for a long time scheduled. We both have obviously busy schedules, but um, I, I kind of am like, where do we start? Because you and I have known each other for a long time. But your story with the Lord starts way before I even met you. So let's start a little bit about when did you start coming to know the Lord, serving him? I mean, this has been a huge journey for you. Yeah, and kind of a slow one and because of my own (laughs) obedience stuff. um, You know, I really asked God into my life one day when I was a fourth-year student in college. And I just... I just remember standing up and asking God into my life. I was crying the tears, and it's just like, because I knew that I wasn't, I was going to church, but I wasn't believing in him. And and I was was definitely not living for him. And so it was in college, my fourth year. But it was at the very end of the year, and the person who kind of brought me to church led, he graduated and moved on, and then there I was by myself for the most part. So at that moment, you... I love the, I made a decision to live for him. Once you made that decision, was everything immediate? Let's talk a little bit about the journey that happens once you make that, because that's just a moment. It's like the blip on the EKG machine, right? And then everything else starts coming along. Right. I mean, everybody can make that decision, but it that's a one-time decision. And really following Christ, it's about a daily decision. And I'll have to be honest, it probably took me 10 years before you know, I, I got to the point where, like, I need to get serious about this, or rather, I want to get serious about this. And I really attribute it to, first of all, trying to keep away from sin, but secondly, just reading the Bible every day, because that will transform you. One of the things I remember as you and I had met and gotten to know each other a little bit more is that you would wake up every morning and pray. You would pray over your wife every morning before she would go to work, before you would go to work. And that's something that just really impacted me. When did that start to get incorporated into your faith life? Um, I remember, you know, trying to read the Bible, you know, every day. But I especially remember when my dad passed away, and that was like 13 years ago. All of a sudden, there became more of a burden on me. It's like, 
Well, I got to pray now because I knew my dad was always praying for me, and I know my mom still prays for me, but it's like, I have to get serious about this. And I grew up on a dairy farm, so we got up at quarter to five every other day. I had a twin brother who we traded off, so I'm used to getting up early. Five o'clock is practically sleeping in for me. <laughs> Jeez. I, well, I'm sure there's people listening that's like, are you kidding me? But for you, that's your norm. Like, that's what right. you know. And at some point, God started taking you deeper, not just praying in your home, not just praying with your family, but at some point he started calling you to go out more into the world. When did you notice that? Um, actually, I think I was about, I'm thinking maybe not quite 40 years old. Um, and I just, you know, things were going good. It's like, there's got to be more than things just going good. There's got to be more than just studying the Bible. I, I was just thankful, but I didn't really know how to take that first step. And kind of a long story I'll make short, but I was thinking about things, and I had a problem with the roof in my house. There's moisture coming on. It, this sheetrock would get wet, and I had somebody look at it. No no idea. No, they would, Nobody would look at it. So I prayed to God, and I said, God, just tell me what it is. And I'll gladly give you the 1500 or whatever I'd pay a contractor to fix this. And I remember as I was praying, it just came to me that the guy had resided my house and he put it, this extra vent up there. So I took a stapler and, you know, hefty, heavy-duty garbage bag and covered up that vent. And then this is in the fall, and I'm a slow learner because every time prior to that, I'd go up in the roof and I'd see it just covered with frost inside. So I remember the February day, the coldest day of the year, 20, 30 below like we had. And I went up and looked, and there was just nothing up there. And I remember getting in my car and turning it on, and I turned Q107 on, and the very first thing I heard was this mission trip to Belize that was occurring, that today was the last sign-up, or Friday was supposed to be, but extended till Monday. It's like, you know, that sounds like a good way to you know, I told God, give him the money. I'll give him my t- money and my time, you know, and that's how it started. I went to Belize for 10 years, and now I've been to Africa 10 years. Wow, that's amazing, which is, of course, partly really how we got to start serving the Lord together outside of, you know, church stuff and working with youth, etc. So a little bit, let's let's go to that point in Belize, uh, because there's a difference with a person's first mission trip to where their mission journey can take them. What do you, as you recall back to that first mission trip, what was God working on you? Like, what, where was he starting to speak to you, approach you, prepare you? Because I, I feel like he's been preparing. I mean, you now compared to 20 years ago, completely different, right? Right. So how, what do you notice about that progression? Well, first of all, it takes a humbling and you decide a desire you want to obey. Um, I remember that first time just going and they asked me to give a testimony thinking I was you know 40 years old I should be mature and be able to say and I remember the verse I picked was um, first Philippians 1 6 and it goes I am sure of this that he who begun a good work to me will bring it to completion at the day of our Jesus of our day of Jesus Christ and that was the very first time I gave a testimony but it was a horrible testimony it really was even the leader said well that that was interesting you, you know because you know i never even grew up in a church that gave testimonies you know right, I, right. and i was just throwing this, this was like the first weekend we're there but by the end um but i just i gave it all i really did i gave everything i had on that trip spiritually physically and i remember we were in a prison and i was 
What really struck me the most as I was going around, they gave us this Avenger Cube, and I was one of like three people they led into the maximum security. And I had this Avenger Cube, and they, I was going to these people, do you know Jesus? And they'd all say yes and all that stuff. But one person I remember saying, and just serious too, no, tell me about him. And it struck me that I could do the Avenger Cube, but I could not tell him from my heart who Jesus was. You know, it just didn't flow all that automatically. It was all this rote verses. And I, I remember getting to the end, end of that catwalk and just tired and just thought, God, why am I here? I was really tired. And I went down, and a guy came up to me. I'll never forget it because it was the first time I truly felt the power of the Holy Spirit, just full body. He grabbed my hand, and I said, do you know Jesus? And we shook hands, and he said, yes, I know Jesus. He is the Lord. He is the King. He is the Master. He is the Ruler. And he goes on and on. And as he's speaking, I'm feeling the Spirit just go through my arm, all the way through my whole body. And all I could say was, yes, yes. And at that, it's funny, the next week they asked me to do another testimony because nobody was volunteering. And that time it was just everything flowed. I mean, and that would, after that people said, that was a good testimony. And I'm not bragging, but there was a marked difference between humbling yourself, working hard, and then seeking the Lord and then having him come and change you. And when you talk about that flow, I mean, that to me I describe it's like you have the flow of the Holy Spirit. And when the flow of the Holy Spirit is going in you, God is working through you, right? Like it just happens. You can't even, it's almost like you can't stop it. It just, it just is. You know when you meet someone and they've got the Holy Spirit, like you know when you know when you know. You right. just, you can't even miss it. It's it's just so profound in them. I am thinking of mission trips we've done got done together. And I remember the first time I think I met Gus Shogren. And I remember thinking, this guy knows the Lord. Like he knows, you can just feel it in him. You can, it is, because he had sort of a calm, peaceful presence. And yet the minute that he would go to a prayer, it's like you could just feel the Holy Spirit just went, and it was just awesome, you know. And I know that we shared times praying with him together and that was so cool. So after this time in Belize, then you actually start to realize, well, there's so much more than what I even thought possible. So take us to, to sort of forward and in, in what started happening past that point, because you went to Belize for a long time. Yeah. Part of it is, um, while in Belize, we were doing primarily helping a Christian radio station, and I would go sometimes by myself, you know, and meet the people there I knew. Um, and it was work, which is fine, but I, I think I wanted more to share the gospel, and then that's when we first started talking. And that's a whole nother trip, though, <laughs> when all you do is crusades. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was kind of a rude awakening, too. But, you know, I, I'm going to jump ahead, but I did that for, you know, we did that for five years. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Malawi by myself. And then I remember just getting back from Malawi. I wasn't back a month or so. And my person I was working with said, you know, there's this mission trip that I've gone with. They need a pharmacist in Kenya, in Nakuru, where we've been before. How many times? Praise God. That's just awesome. And I didn't want to go, but it's like, you know, okay. I, and I, I I wrote on my billfold, my first trip to Africa. I would go anywhere, anytime, any any place. And I keep that as my screensaver on my phone. So every time I look on my phone, that's the background. because. And I said, okay, that's what I'll do. I'll go. We got it. Let's just do a quick pause here because we need to let people know, yeah, why was that in your billfold? Mark Donut did a talk on our first trip to Kenya, and that's exactly what he said. And we had these little note cards and literally the team. Do you remember this the night before? We're we're getting those things all ready. And we were expecting a handful of people. And then we show up and there's like all these people. So we are literally writing those out and the people could sign it. They made a commitment to the Lord. And it's so amazing because I have never forgotten that talk, 
that impact. And it's, I'm actually, it's cool to hear that you still have it too. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it right now. It is on his phone. <laughs> you know, I had it in my billfold until about two months ago when my billfold accidentally got washed. But every time I, I had that card in my billfold, every time I took out money, I knew it was always there. So it was a constant reminder. I but, love um, that. So, so when you, um, we're going to get back to the pharmacist time and that mission trip, because there's a couple things from Kenya that I really want to capture that you know, being, I feel like for me, part of this is I've witnessed your journey as you've witnessed mine. There is a gift that I believe God gives us in mission. And the gift is happening on so many levels. But for me, one of the most, like the coolest thing is how now God has pulled you in a different direction. He's pulled me in a different direction. And yet how he was preparing us in all those years for how we got to the directions we're going now. And it would never have happened in the same way if we hadn't had those experiences in Kenya. What are the times that stick out to you the most from Kenya that you you were just like so aware of God in his presence? Well, by far the most I've ever been aware of God was the second trip we went. We It's a long way to where we were going. We ended up spending the night in Amsterdam, and then we you know get to Nairobi, and then we flew up to the next town, and then we had to get onto a bus, and we were traveling 30-some hours, and I was in the back of the bus, and of course we brought so much stuff, and I'm literally cramped, dehydrated, and I'm almost in tears. And the same words that I said in that prison in Belize, it's the swear, I said, God, why am I here? Because I felt so inadequate. And I, I tell you the absolute truth, I just felt a presence come over my whole body. It felt like a thousand butterflies in my chest, and there was no more pain, there was no more hunger there was just joy and I remember eating that night at Florence's who place we stayed and I mean I had to almost be careful when I ate because if not I've just been speaking in tongues the whole time I mean they were just <laughs> smiling the whole time I was, I was putting food in my mouth and I had to chew but I had to think about chewing because and I remember waking up the next morning like will it be there because this was a true presence and I woke up and I took that first breath and it just filled me again that whole and that whole trip was that way. I remember getting home, and I, where I, drive, I was driving the truck past Target, and he called me, and it's like, I almost started speaking tongues. It's like, oh, I can't speak English. <laughs> it was, the presence was just, that whole trip, yeah. trip was so strong. So the, There's something so, when you have a mission trip like that, that, that the Holy Spirit presence is so profound, and it's, it's so much, too, in the collaboration, working with those crusades. But, man, it is long hours. I mean, I remember we'd get up early in the morning. We'd be on the road at 7 in the morning. We wouldn't get back sometimes till 11, 12 at night. And then you're in the amount of energy. like, And, and without the filling of the Holy Spirit, there, there's no way you could do it. There's no way physically we could do what we have been doing on those trips. I, you're, I have to, we just have to mention Elsie because uh, she's just, what a gift. So your mom, Elsie, went on the trip. I can't remember exactly how old she was at the time. But been 80. Yeah. So, I mean, so here's here's Elsie 80. And I have just the most amazing memories of her because uh, one of the things she had had experience from way back uh, when uh, your, your dad was still living. And so this was kind of like she was sort of coming back to the mission field. But um, she would get this cute little smile on her face and her voice. And she, she'd uh, do this little clenching fist. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I just, I literally can close my eyes and I can hear her. I can see her. And just thinking about it reminds me of true joy. And she, I remember one day, and I still have this journal. 
um, she said, Deb, we've got to start a journal. We need to start uh, tracking all the Jesus moments. Every time we notice Jesus' presence, we need to write it. I'm almost starting to cry just thinking about this. This is the Holy Spirit. And I still have that journal of your mom and I literally tracking all those things. And like to me, that is true joy. That is the, that's that moment where you just, you know, when you know, when you know, the Holy Spirit's there, Jesus is working. Like, it's just, it's so amazing. And I just thought, what a special gift that you could share this with your mom. I mean, that is just, that's such a precious thing. Yeah, she went three times with me. The first time she heard me speak, I remember she cried, you know, because, you know, I I came to the Lord, but I never told her that in college. And she was trying to get me that for years, but it's, it's kind of one of those things, you know, I had to test it myself a little bit, you know. Don't so, we all? <laughs> yeah. the, the One of the other memories that, well, my gosh, there's so many, of course, that we could go through, but uh, we did a lot of healing prayer ministry, and there were definitely moments where uh, we knew that the Holy Spirit was present. But the, the simplest one that for me was such a true joy moment is we were doing a deliverance ministry with a young man, and we were all doing the normal things that we do, and there was just something, something, and you, you got a word, and you said, Jesus is Lord. And next thing we know, we're all in unison, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And bing, it was, I mean, it was like ring. And I thought, okay, that is the power of the Lord. That is the power of speaking that over someone. And I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. When someone calls me and says, you know, whatever hard time, hard this, whatever, and I'm like, how many times have you said Jesus is Lord today? And, and literally, because it's a simple thing to remember. Yeah. It was, and that was so profound because that you got that as a word. I mean, that was a word of knowledge that came through. Yeah, it was. I think it really was a word of faith because we were praying over this guy and he was writhing with clearly possession. I mean, it was at least fifteen minutes. Oh yeah, and it we was. were we had lots of people writing every prayer, and it just a uh, faith and anger stirred up to me that this is ridiculous. I remember this is ridiculous, and I said, "Jesus is Lord." And the first time it came out with with conviction, though it wasn't just a random right. I mean, I looked at it straight in his head. I remember trying to burn the words into his temple just with my mouth. I said, Jesus is Lord. And he just froze. Yeah. And that was it. it Everyone was, joined in. And it was, was we were all like, tail over. <laughs> just, that was like a moment that I would love to freeze frame. And and also, uh, I, and I'm, I may get the trips mixed up here, but one of the trips coming back, you start getting ill on the airplane. That was the first trip. Was that the first? And you still went back. I mean, this is when people understand the severity of this. Um, so you start getting back on the plane, and you were burning up. I mean, fever, like there's no tomorrow. I remember giving you the peppermint oil. Like, we just kept dousing you in this peppermint oil because it seemed to be the only thing that was even giving you any amount of anything. Um, tell us a little bit about that part of the journey coming back. This was a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, you know, you like you said, you get run down, you get tired, but everything worked. I got onto the plane, yeah, I had a little fever and stuff. And we get home on a Saturday night in Minneapolis late. I mean, I'm sleeping on the van on the floor all the way home. And I remember getting up the next morning. I was going to go for a walk just to try to reset my clock, get a little sunlight. And I w- didn't hardly walk an eighth of a mile, and I had turned around because I didn't know if I was going to make it back. That was Sunday morning, and by Wednesday, I was in ICU on, um, with diagnosed as Guillain-Barre. But I'm so thankful that that autoimmune didn't happen the whole trip. I, and, you know, all they can think of maybe was some reaction to something. But God kept me there. And then and then it is a risk. Do you go back? I mean, people kind of thought I was nuts. And it's like, but I felt the power of God. I knew God was real. And I made that commitment to do anywhere, anytime, any, any cost, anything, anywhere. So I had to go. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful you did. And I just remembered, because you probably don't even remember some of this time in the hospital, because you and I were were corresponding and keeping in touch as much as possible. I mean, there were days you could barely even text on your phone. It was horrible. Texting was, yeah, you could hardly. I remember when they decided to ship me to Fargo that the nurses could tell the difference that I couldn't butt my shirt. I couldn't even put, hardly put my hands in my pocket to get my keys because yeah. I didn't have enough strength in my hands yeah. anymore. And walking was, I couldn't do it anymore. And while you were in the hospital in Fargo, people were praying, people came to pray with you. And I mean, you have a miraculous recovery. Not everybody miraculously recovers from Guillain-Barre. Yeah, five days I was out of the hospital. I was walking six days poorly, but after some therapy, you know, just to practice, walk and build up my strength because yeah. I was so weak. Oh, just praise God for, and you're right, bringing you back. So, I mean, literally that on the plane on the way back, yeah. this stuff starts. I mean, that was, for me, that was just, and, and it was a reminder that God really is in control. He chose yeah. the timing of yeah. when that was going to happen. And the, the true joy when you recovered, it's like, there. I mean, really, that was that was miraculous. I even went walking this week, you know, and every time I go for a walk, I just, I truly thank God I can walk because for a while I couldn't. Yeah. Amen. So now let's kind of get to this stage because at some point, and I, you know, I I can't always remember all the little tiny details, but I remember you calling in and uh, we were having a conversation about whether or not there would be this Kenya trip when we were praying about it. You, Barb, Junkie, and I had gone and done a trip and you were like, I'm just feeling God's calling me in this other direction. I'm like, you got to go with it. He may call me back to Kenya, but maybe he'll call you somewhere else. I, let's talk about, um, before you started going out as a pharmacist, you had that interim trip. You had a couple of amazing moments even on that trip. Let's not step over that too much. You know, I went to Fargo. We both did. We heard pastor there, and he's from Malawi, and doing amazing mission. And I went by myself. I mean, I called him. Yeah, come. And there were some amazing missions. It was probably the hardest trip. But was I think 11 days, we went nine different churches preaching in tough situations. They just had a flood there a month or two prior. So the World Health Organization had all the hotels. And so we're sleeping in tents. And I remember getting up one night, going to the bathroom. And I sat down. And an hour later, the pastor went. And I see him. He's outside the bathroom, not kicking, uh, killing a black mamba snake that was in the bathroom. And, you know, other people around me had malaria. I never got malaria. It was just, um, it's just God's hand. But it was a tough trip. Yeah, I and so I remember that. I remember the snake story for sure because I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that could have been a completely different story. And I also remember you talking about um, standing under these trees, preaching the gospel, how people would just flood and walk for miles to come and hear it, and true joy. I mean, that to me was like, oh my goodness, hearing you talk about it, I'm like, that's amazing. Here, people can barely get in their car and walk a block in the parking lot sometimes. Yeah, that was probably, you know, I look at the top five, ten days of my life, just going there, being that remote. We were in a crossroads where people walk from Mozambique to Malawi, and they can't, you know, it's harder to go there. And people would walk a full day just to hear somebody speak an hour on Jesus, and they would bike 12 hours. And the, and then you got to keep in mind, they're walking and they're staying in these huts on the way home. And there they put themselves in peril because you're in the middle of nowhere. There's no cops. There's nothing. And even, you know, we were driving, and our vehicle all of a sudden had problems braking, driving, shifting. And we, we were on the first day. We kept praying. Every day we got home. The guy dropped us off at the place. He then brought his, went home. And he parked it, and that vehicle never moved again. It completely locked up, and he had to have it towed. 
but we were so far remote, and that vehicle kept working every day. It had a little problem, but it worked until until we, we didn't need it. Yeah, until we got home, it's just this is what God does, right? Yeah. It just it's just like we could tell story after story after story. So now let's get more to this current day mission that you've been doing, and God now using how you are trained as a pharmacist to actually open the door to sharing the gospel. Right. Um, again, they were short of pharmacists, so I signed up, and that first year I went, and that's what I did. I mean, hundreds of scripts a day. But the team leader then knew that I had done this in the past, and she was going back again and said, do you want to go, and maybe we'll have a pastor's conference. And we then held, held several pastor's conferences, and the last time I was in Kenya, we were up to, I think, 85 or 45 pastors in one, and like 40 in others, like 85 pastors for like, you know, a couple hours in the afternoon, and they're just hungry for the word. Just to have sometimes just a different perspective, because the Africans have their own perspective. Right, absolutely. Know? And so... I remember the first time we went, and and uh, we were doing some deliverance, and like, we were like, you know, you can... The, the other stuff can hear a whisper. We don't need to be right. Like we all have different styles of how of how we do this. One thing I really want to make sure we capture about this is that you're not a professional pastor. You're not a trained blah, blah, blah. You are an individual that God is using and he's using all of it. So even the fact that you are trained as a pharmacist to open these doors to minister and to preach because the Lord is in you and he's working through you. I, I think we need to sometimes be reminded of this. He will work He will work through all of us when we open that door and we're obedient, and he will equip us when he needs to equip us. I mean, I think about times we were in Kenya. We didn't know. <laughs> we're like, what are we doing? <laughs> we learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, we were pretty foolish. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but God worked with us anyway. There you go. And, yeah. he's, and he's used it all yeah. because it has built us into who we are today. Right. I could never have stepped into this pastor training or even i'm supposed to go back now in september maybe zambia and they're already planning i could never do that if i wouldn't have done all this beforehand and it just and 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 that's just because no matter who you are if you're listening god will use you if you are willing and ready and obedient to to what that is just one thing about obedience the number one is not a bible verse but it's backed up in acts where fb meyer wrote god will and i may be off a bit but he wrote god will not give the Holy Spirit to those who want it or desire it or those who pray for it, but those who obey. And that's what it is because the Holy Spirit is such a precious gift. He does not want to soil it in somebody who's not willing to obey. And that's what it takes. And I know I was thinking about, I don't remember exactly when this conversation took place between you and myself, but I remember there was an obedience thing and there were times when we would look at each other and say, I feel like we're supposed to do this or I think we're supposed to do this. And we look at each other and go, okay, let's discern this really quick because with obedience, there has to be a discernment because some people will make a comment like, oh, I think we should blah, 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 but they don't discern it. And we want to make sure that it is the Lord directing. And that's one thing I always tell people, pray for discernment every day. I just like to bring that into the mix because it's really easy to sometimes have the human little element get in if we aren't truly in connect with the Lord. And really, we have to be obedient to avoid sin to be in connect with the Lord. Yes. Otherwise, you're just you're just flailing. And I'm glad you're bringing that up because a lot of people say, well, what am I doing wrong? They use their wrong. What am I doing wrong? Whatever. Well, it's not so much about that. It's about when you try to avoid sin, when you are obedient, when you are in prayer, when you're in, I call it almost in communion with the Lord, when you're when you're in that harmonious relationship that's when the flow it's that goes back to that flow that we're talking about we just the flow is there and and it's so important so 
as you look to this next trip, like, yeah, like what's the Lord doing right now? Because COVID has brought an entirely different thing. So, yeah, what's the what's next for you? Yeah, it's really kind of the unknown. COVID is real. I mean, I'd signed up to go last fall, of course, and then in June, but that's just not happening. So it's kind of faith that you plan to even go. And um, I really don't know. I mean, it's just stay in the Word. In my heart, I've been desiring to memorize scriptures. I go to learnscripture.net. I mean, because I think it's important to have this stuff off the top of your head. Because the Holy Spirit, I know, can bring it to you, but it's really kind of nice when you know where it is. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at because everything I preach I want to I want to know that verse but not only that verse but how how that verse came to be to understand that verse if I'm going to talk about I and that's where I'm at I really want to understand anything I'm talking about and it gives you the context when you're talking about it and once you have the context it actually helps people understand it better because I think sometimes people will pull out you know four words from a verse that really has a completely different context or how it was meant and so we want to be to me it's that being responsible right we there's a responsibility with the word when we're preaching the word there's also a responsibility that comes with that final thoughts on true joy you know, true joy is I, just back to that trip, that second trip to Kenya, when the Lord lives in you. There was just joy. And that's really what it is. It's communion with the Lord. You can get joy from this world. It's all temporary. But if you sit there and have that Lord in you, and at times it's stronger than others, I'll, I'll admit that. But when it's strong, there's nothing better than that. That's true joy. I love that. Herb Brumenschenkel, thank you so much for joining us today for Live Joy, Share Joy. We want to be praying for you as you prepare for your next mission trip. And thank you so much for bringing in the thoughts around obedience and trusting the Lord and communing with the Lord, being in the word and getting context around it. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. All right. Thanks so much for choosing to tune in today. Please remember to go out, live joy and share joy. Live joy, share joy, shine. This is Deb McGregor of Lifeful of Joy. Thank you for tuning in to Live Joy, Share Joy. We currently have availability for corporate sponsors on the show. Do you want to be aligned with all things joy and reach our listening audience? We have several options available, including our joy boosters. Contact your QFM today for sponsorship details.